You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. finally like sit down and focus on writing pop music because i love it and uh taylor swift is like she's my holy grail like one day if i could ever work with her i'll be i can die happy uh it's like slayer and taylor swift those are the two that i want to work with hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media where i sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives music and craft beer i hope that you had a great weekend i most certainly did because overhop canada has once again just launched vox and overhops that's right people it's back vox and over hops the double dry hop new england ipa which has been hopped with citra vic secret and enigma hops is back you can go pick that up at the Overhop canada brewery in saint jacques and you can also go pick it up at your favorite craft beer store if it's not there make sure you ask for it they can get it there so stoked that vox and over hops is back i'm also stoked to announce that the vox and hops metal podcast is getting into the world of music reviews I am doing this with the help of a few excellent humans, which I had the pleasure of meeting at the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs. I will be releasing one of these reviews per week. And up first, we have two wonderful humans. This is Evan Welch, the After Party King, and Philip De Vitesse from Whispers from the Void. I will let them right now announce to you which album they have reviewed and I will be posting on Vox and Hops' socials tomorrow. Hey everybody, I'm Evan from Whispers from the Void. And I'm Phil, the Vitesse for the Intimates from Whispers from the Void. Here to bring you an awesome review of What, what a, a Time, time to, to Be, be alive, alive by, by Werewolves. Damn, that album is sick. I don't know if you have checked it out. If you haven't checked it out yet, I absolutely love Werewolves. What a time to be alive. And indeed it is. And this is a killer record. Uh... Get stoked. Check it out tomorrow on Vox and Hops' socials. You will be able to see what Evan Welch and Philip de Vitesse of the Whispers from the Void podcast thinks about this record. I also have another huge announcement to make. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast family is expanding. I'm very stoked to announce that Chris Kells, the basis of the Agnist, who is a good friend of mine that I've known for over 20 years, has jumped on as Vox and Hops' video content creator. I sat down with him recently and asked him to present himself to all of you Vox and Hops heads listening right now. So this is it. Get ready. Here is Chris Kells of The Agonist. Fuck, I got started doing this maybe about 10 years ago when we started touring as a band with The Agonist and um, somebody gave me a camera and then all of a sudden I just started filming stupid shit and dumb shit that the band was doing and then met a great guy named David Brodsky in New York City, uh, actually Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, he kind of showed me the ropes on everything, how to shoot a music video and, you know, the lighting and what to do and how to edit and everything like that. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And then before you knew it, I was shooting bands. I was shooting shows and then got into the corporate world. And uh, now I'm fed up with the corporate world. So I'm coming back to the bands and doing what I love, working in music and beer and bands and just having a thrashing good old time. Man, I'm so, so stoked to have Kells as a part of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast family. He is truly a very talented video content creator. I am very, very stoked to have him on board. I am working on a huge project, which I will announce within the next few weeks, and Kells is an integral part of that. Very stoked about that. I have another announcement coming up next week with another new Vox and Hops Metal podcast family member. The family's getting bigger, and I love it. This Vox and Hops Metal podcast episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I am super stoked to tell you all that they have started booking shows again. So far, they got Ginger coming up on November 19th with Suicide Silence opening up that one. And they just announced all them witches will be coming through Montreal on December 9th. I'm super stoked that Heavy Montreal is behind the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. And I'm even more stoked that they are starting to put on shows again. 
Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. And that would be something that I would truly appreciate. You should also sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. There's a whole bunch of things going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, and I do not want you to miss a single thing. So sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. That way you can stay informed about everything going on. Now, today's episode is with Tom Smith of the Acacia Strain. This is Vox and Hops episode number 254. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Tom Smith of the Acacia Strain. Tom, how are you doing? I'm very, very stoked to be with you today. Hello, sir. I am good. It's fun to be here. I'm, I'm super pumped on this chat. I've been looking forward to it all day. Oh, that's, that's excellent to hear. Uh, let's dance uh, right into the darkness, the way that I like to start podcasts <laughs> for the past few months. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious year of 2020, which is now behind us? Uh, I coped with a lot of movie watching. Um, a lot of playing guitar in my bedroom instead of on a stage. <laughs> uh, and honestly, probably with a lot of help from beer, <laughs> as as I'm sure most of the nation and the world is doing as well. <laughs> it's true. Hey, craft beer breweries were very, very concerned at the beginning of the pandemic that they would be losing customers, but I think they all did pretty well for themselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they weren't hurting too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of beer, uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their life. Metal and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there tonight that we're going to virtually share? So I've got I've got two. Let's see how let's see if I could get through the first one. But the first one that I'm going to crack open is by Dissolver. It's one of my new favorite breweries. Uh, it's called Uppercuts and Laser Tag, and it's a hazy IPA dude that's a super cool label yeah it's it's pretty it. badass and there's a i don't know if you could see it but there's a real little like dr evil right there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i don't know what the deal is with that but it made me pumped when it's i saw a laser it. it's because it's a laser that's oh, why yeah you're right freaking lasers <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> on my side i'm drinking something super hype um this is neon beach from psychem battle they just just got uh the third best new brewery award from ratebeer.com. Um, they're killing it. No matter what, they're less than a year old. They're just about a year old now. Very cool. Uh, this is a double New England, 8% ABV. I have never had this one, but they just brew pure fire. So I'm excited. Let's crack these. Hell yeah. Let's see how they are. Should we try to, and, uh, I'm going to try to re- oh. uh, recreate your intro crack. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Eh? It's pretty, I stole that from solid. the internet. But <laughs> and uh, just to shout this out as well, because I really love North Carolina beer, uh, I brought even two glasses from my two favorite breweries, uh, Trophy Brewing in Raleigh and Burial out of Asheville, North Carolina. And Burial's like super metal, so it gets me pumped. <laughs> super metal. Yeah. First time I ever went to their brewery, they were just playing like Sleep, Sabbath, and Judas Priest. So I was like, yep, I belong here. I, I honestly just had an email exchange with them today. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> they were cool. <laughs> they were very cool. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's cheers first. This pours out with a glorious milky haze. Yeah, this one's looking pretty good, too. Cheers, my friend. Yeah, they're pretty similar, actually. Cheers. Ooh, tropical. Hoppy. I got a little too much of a head on mine, but I, I know I like this beer. I, I tried it the other day. I was like, I got to have this for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious it's uh as always they're not too sweet a lot of these eight percent abv double new england's tend to hit uh, too sweet mm-hmm. uh, or to cover up the booziness of it but this this is well balanced uh, lots of apricots and mangoes on the it's killer sweet very cool yeah this beer oh this it's probably a little on the sweeter side but i'm okay with that i like a i like a like rich sweet ipa that's i think why i like doubles so much because doubles are like super rich you know 
Yeah, they got it. They got they got us good there, Tom. They they got us they got us real good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about beer. Let's talk about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer you ever drank, dude? It's so funny that you ask that because I don't know if it was like subconsciously because I knew this this talk was coming up, but I've literally been trying to think like, do I actually remember my first beer? I don't remember my first first beer, but so like in high school, I would just kind of like. I'd have like a beer or two with friends, whatever. I wasn't much of a drinker. And then I had like a good five year chunk where I, I claimed straight edge. And then when I broke, uh, the first six pack that I bought for myself ever was Kona big wave because I worked at a beer store and I was like, that label looks fun. Hawaii is kind of cool. And I brought it home and I drank some of it. (laughs) So I count that as like my, my true first beer, quote unquote. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, talk to me about uh, those five years as a straight edge. Was that because of the scene you were in? Was that because of where you were at mentally? How did that all come about? Uh, so, so my dad is like a. He's been. I think. I think now he's like twenty three or twenty four years sober. So I think that had a little bit to do with it because he was a pretty bad alcoholic when I was a kid. But even when like I first got interested in straight edge, he was kind of like, "You don't. If you don't have a problem, like, what's wrong with it?" And so that was. That was a little piece of it, but not truly. But the real reason was uh, in high school, my area that I grew up in had a pretty bad drug problem and uh, opioids, especially. And in high school, all of my friends were doing some pretty hard drugs. And I kind of like at the end of high school, when they were all getting really bad with it, I was like, I don't want any association with that. So that's why I claimed straight edge. And then fast forward five years and they all kind of got their acts together. I was like, I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. <laughs> you know, like the the music culture was a little part of it, but maybe the music culture was what made me afraid to break edge, honestly, because I was like, fuck, am I am I going to piss people off by doing this? Uh, <laughs> and fun, funny enough, I had gotten a straight edge tattoo and then less than two months later broke edge. <laughs> so I kind of just like, I was like, fuck it. I What am I going to do? Be mad at myself? I I'm not going to fake through this thing i don't really have a connection with anymore uh and the tattoo i think was kind of like you know when a couple like hates each other but they have a kid to try to save the marriage (laughs) i think that's what the straight edge tattoo was i was like let's get this little x and maybe i'll it'll revive me and it it did not (laughs) did did you you had to get a cover-up then uh i was thinking about not doing it but yeah i got like a little luckily i got it pretty small uh and I got like a little blacked out heart around it. So I was like, okay, this, this works. And it, it doesn't really yep, look yep. super cover up wise, but it, it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> it will remind you forever that there was that period of your life when you were straight edge. Yeah. And, it, and then I'll remember it. Nobody else has to see me like drinking a beer and being like, but you have an X on your leg, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, the, the working in a craft beer store while being straight edge? That must've been strange. Uh, it was kind of funny because I would just like make things up because people would ask me <laughs> like I, I was lucky enough where like uh, my one of my best friends on the planet. He was kind of who really opened my eyes up to craft beer. His name's John. We uh, we were like the only two people in the beer department at the store and he got me the job and he was like, yeah, I don't I don't care if you drink or not. Like I know you and you'll just say what I tell you to say. So whenever he was around, <laughs> it was great because I'd be like, hey help me out with this question for this customer. And then when he wasn't, I was like, I'm just going to make something up. Like, I think I, (laughs) I once told somebody that uh, Guinness goes really good with Mexican food because it offsets the spice. And that was just kind of like me being an idiot and being like, let's see if I can make somebody believe this. Like kind of just trolling them. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you dove straight into craft beer. You you never had those shitty beers except for a little bit in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was what was immediately your craft first craft beer that you loved? Uh, I got really into stouts pretty quick on. And I think it's because it had the least like the least beer taste in a way you know like mm. it was a lot of the, like the pastry south stouts like like the cinnabon stouts and the chocolate infused stouts like that was where i was like oh well this is a beer but it's just delicious like i don't really think of it as beer and it was also like during the winter that i started to drink beer so stouts are obviously pretty prevalent then but uh yeah i, I got real into stouts uh especially because of a brewery that i liked called bolero snort they were really popping up in new jersey 
and they were coming out with some really cool stouts but uh slowly but surely my friend john that i worked with he was like he was making me kind of we would split four packs whenever we got new like ipas in he because he was an ipa guy so we would split four packs and we'd each take two home and just text each other at night about it or talk about it the next day so it was stouts and then i kind of moved on to ipas and just a little bit of everything the only thing i'm still not super into is sours and i feel like that makes me a little bit of a poser because i feel like the true like (laughs) beer diehards love sours but i just can't really do it they remind me too much of like wine and i'm not a huge wine guy they are there's they're definitely linked especially those those mixed fermentation sours yeah and i think another thing that freaked me out was uh i forget what brewery it was but my buddy told me about a brewery that he was reading about that uh they like fermented in a giant open vat in like open air and like just no like they would obviously filter it but like he told me that like sometimes like birds shit in it and like <laughs> animals could just like like they would find a dead animal sometimes and have to redo the vat I'm like, i don't i don't know if i trust sours you know like that's super immature of me but i was like eh, i don't like them enough and now this i'm not gonna force myself to keep trying them so i'm just not into sours too much <laughs> it's it's where it's where the funk comes from you know yeah <laughs> uh let's dive into the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to so i uh i'm definitely in the minority where my parents love metal and uh i'm very fortunate to have been raised on like judas priest slayer anthrax pantera like the good stuff you know like it wasn't just like like it wasn't like my parents liked the black album and acdc my parents were like the first four Metallica are the real important ones and the other stuff's <laughs> all right, you know? <laughs> and even still, I like, that. I only jam the first three because I'm a Cliff Burton guy, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like, I would say, like, the big hitters at my house were, like, Judas Priest, Anthrax, Slayer, uh, Metallica, and Pantera. Those were, like, the foreground for me. And um, not to keep going on how cool my youth was and my childhood <laughs> with music, but, like, my mom, I, and I actually saw the ticket stub recently when I went back to visit my parents. My uh, my parents always told me growing up that my mom and my dad went to go see uh, Ozzy when they like when I was in the womb and I was like kicking around oh. like a fucking maniac inside my mom's stomach. And it was cool to see that that ticket stub at home the other day or a few weeks ago now. That is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so so how did how did you rebel against your parents? Yeah, you couldn't go to to more extreme music because they were already more extreme than you. So, yeah. So. I didn't really rebel. I had like my parents are badass in pretty much every sense of the wor- the word. Like I was very fortunate to have just super nice, supportive, and fun parents. Like I didn't really have to rebel, but I definitely will say that it took me a long time to start forming my own musical opinions because of that, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. anything with screaming, I was like, Oh, well that's not true metal. Cause it's not Rob Halford, you know, like (laughs) that was a big thing for me, but I think it was like, you were an elitist. (laughs) Oh dude, straight up. And, and now I go back and listen to a lot of music from high school where I'm like, fuck, I missed out on some cool stuff. Cause I was just, pissed that it wasn't pantera (laughs) um but yeah i would say like it wasn't honestly probably until i was like 16 and i think mastodon was the first band that really like really really changed the way that i listened to music and kind of diverted me away from my parents because like my parents are my parents are not like elitists in the sense of like they're angry at other music they just don't care but like my mom's like her her Spotify that she listens to at work is like at her desk job is like Lamb of God, Hate Breed, Cannibal Corpse, you know, like <laughs> she listens to that. So anytime like I would be driving around with her and I'd have something that wasn't really heavy on, she'd be like, why do you want to listen to this? It's not it's not metal. <laughs> like I remember I, I'm a huge Bon Iver fan and I was listening to that oh, in the yeah, car yeah. once and uh, she was like, this is kind of like elevator music and she didn't mean it in like an insult way but she was just like huh you've really gone away from metal huh and i was like i guess so i don't i don't know Ma. it's the music it's yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it was confusing i, I, lo- I love but bonnie Vi- amazing i, lo- yeah. I love justin love, vernon is hands him. down my favorite musical artist of all time 
And he killed it on that Taylor Swift album. Dude, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, I, that's another thing. People, I love pop music, and my new goal is to be just, like, writing the most perfect pop music. And that was actually something that helped me cope with quarantine a lot. It was, like, I could finally, like, sit down and focus on writing pop music because I love it. And uh, Taylor Swift is, like, she's my holy grail. Like, one day if I could ever work with her, I'll be, I can die happy. Uh, it's, like, Slayer and Taylor Swift. Those are the two that I want to work with. <laughs> And I don't even know if I'd want to work with Justin Vernon because I'd be afraid to work with him, you know, but those are, those are my two. That's awesome. How about your first shows? Uh, you, you saw, I know the first answer to my question, I always like to ask what the first show was that you saw, but it was Ozzy. You were in the room, you were kicking it up, but yeah. what, how about the first one you remember? Uh, the first like full show that I got to. So the first like attempt at a show, uh, was Vince Neal's solo band <laughs> And I, uh, I cried during the opener cause I was only like seven <laughs> and it was too loud and I got scared. Uh, and mm. then two years later, my dad tried again with me and I went to go see black label society at like a outdoor wow. uh, venue and it was pretty sick. And then the second show I ever saw was Slayer. So pretty cool. First actual shows. <laughs> Hell yeah. How about your first time on stage? My first time quote unquote on stage was in a basement with my melodic death metal band uh, and we played four original songs and then we covered a Lamb of God song, a Slayer song, and then we did uh, we did the chord progression from I think Terror and Hubris and the House of Frank Pollard by Lamb of God and we just like ripped yeah. guitar solos over it. Like <laughs> it, it, when I think back on it, it's so fucking stupid but that was like <laughs> <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. I, I still to this day can remember that feeling of getting off, quote unquote, off stage and just being like, th that was the greatest 20 minutes of my entire life and been obviously chasing that since then. <laughs> was that a, at a house party or just people came over to band practice, basically? It was uh, it was like a basement punk show and we were like the weird metal band because we were just friends with the kid who put the show on <laughs> as as it had to be yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i remember playing this big uh bc rich beast and i was like this tiny little 15 year old kid and it was just this humongous like death metal looking guitar and it was not fit for a punk show but i didn't give a shit i was like i'm gonna prove these punk kids wrong i'm gonna just play as much metal as i can <laughs> now now i know that your your dad is makes guitars so so how early on were you encouraged to play guitar? Were you drawn to the guitar? What did it, was it linked to the fact that your dad has T.W. Smith guitars? Was that working at that time? Uh, tell me about all that, please. So, uh, so T.W. Smith guitars actually came about when I was in high school already. And, uh, my dad is actually not a guitar player. He's just an amazing, really? yeah, he's just an amazing woodworker. And like, I, no like true job title of like a carpenter or anything, but he's like rebuilt our house completely by himself he just because he felt like it started he was like i just want to try to build a guitar like this kid likes guitars and we he and we can't afford all these things he likes like let's just try it out because he likes doing that and uh yeah like my freshman year he built the first guitar that he ever made and it was like a a red flying v of course because i love slayer and carrie king was like my idol uh my dad uh is a recovering alcoholic i guess recovered recovering once an alcoholic always that's what they say but when he first started getting uh sober his like his new addiction was going to shows so he would just go to every like metal show in new jersey that came like within an hour of our house like literally like four or five times a week he'd be going um and he would just like he wasn't a professional photographer by any means, but this was when you like snuck a digital camera in or like a, a disposable camera and he would just take pictures however much he could and would go to Walgreens and print them out and then just collage our entire hallway of our upstairs. So through that, he went and saw like Sebastian Bach's solo band. He also went and saw a lot of shitty stuff because he was just like, I just want to go to shows. <laughs> um, not, I love and Sebastian it, Bach. Know, not I, saying, idle, idle hands. Yeah, not, uh, not saying Sebastian Bach is a shitty thing because I like <laughs> Sebastian Bach a lot. And I was actually listening to your episode with him today and it was really funny. Um, but his guitar player, Paul Crook at the time, who also was in Anthrax for a while, 
he played these super badass BC Rich Mockingbirds, and that's still my favorite guitar shape ever. And just seeing pictures of him playing that, I was like, I need to play guitar. I want to play guitar. And then he m- took me to meet Paul because Paul's from New Jersey and had a cover band that he would just play fun shows at at a club literally around the corner from our house. And I met Paul and he was so nice that I was just like, I have to play guitar. Like, can I please play guitar? And that's literally how it started. I know that's a super long winded answer for that origin, but there's a lot of dots that need to be connected for it. (laughs) That's crazy. So, so now your dad makes guitars, sells guitars and you are the, the face of this brand now and you get to have some cool guitars. Uh, yeah, the most recent one is a uh, one with a with the headstockless guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's right over in the corner. It's super tiny. Uh I he like I don't like headless guitars for live applications. I think they look just ridiculous unless you're <laughs> uh, I'm forgetting his name, but unless you're from Cynic, that's the only time I think. Paul. Yeah. I think so. Paul from Cynic. He, that's the <laughs> yeah. only time that I'm like yeah, you could play a headless guitar, <laughs> but he's also a pretty <laughs> tiny guy and I'm like, I'm six foot and I don't know, I would look like an idiot playing it live, but he was like, I want to start selling headless ones. Can I make one? I'm because he doesn't play. I'm like the guinea pig. So whenever he makes like something new and outrageous for him, it goes to me to like test out for a while. And I'm obsessed with that guitar. I was like, I never thought that I would, I call them nerd guitars, but I was like, I never thought I would like this fucking nerd guitar this much. And it's like my go-to one that I pick up now. <laughs> I like how small they are, especially for traveling. And I, I even made him like make it a, a, not a short scale, but he was like, I usually play a slightly longer scale guitar. Cause uh, even, even when I'm not down tuning, I just like thick strings and longer guitars uh, to play harder on. I was like, Make it make it a less Paul scale. Make it make it a little shorter so it's just this really tiny compact thing that's comfortable to play at home. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about uh, how you've been filling the void of not being on stage in 2020, which is something that, you know, we are supposed to be doing as musicians. <laughs> it's something that gives us power, that gives us that beautiful, exhilarating feeling mm-hmm. of right before you step on stage, that hair tingling nervousness that keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you started a podcast. Or you got a podcast going as well. I did. Yeah, it started off as a podcast called Riff Filled Land that uh, was just me interviewing my friends in in bands and uh it was a lot of fun and i kind of wanted to just create the podcast that like if i was a 15 year old what i would want to get out of it so i mostly focused on like songwriting um Mm -hmm. but it got really really heavy and daunting to like talk about music for two or three hours a week with my friends that couldn't play music and i couldn't play music so it just kind of bummed me out harder than it should have so then uh I switched it to become flick filled land and my buddy Alex Ray who plays in counterparts uh, he's my he's my co-host now on that Um, and so yeah we just talk about movies because I love movies and other than like music I think movies are like kind of my favorite art form but uh, but my new thing that I've been doing to kind of take my brain off of not playing shows and like stimulate my brain in an artistic way I can't draw but I just got a new iPad with like a Apple pencil and procreate like kind of makes you be able to draw even if you can't draw you know like if you spend enough time in it you can still get your ideas out there so that's been my new thing like just making fun images and like pretending like one day I could become a tattooer even though I never in a million years could but yeah uh podcast is definitely huge on filling that void like drawing on my ipad and then just watching movies and chilling with my dogs and my fiance and the main focus now is that we just bought a house or a new house and we're trying to sell this one so life has been a fucking mess right now (laughs) trying to list a house but that's like what i've been up to lately without shows that's good you've been keeping busy and uh, that's how I've been telling everyone to do it. Don't just sit there idle. Don't let the bad thoughts creep up. Don't just drink. Yeah. Or consume <laughs> other things to help numb the pain. Create a project. I got three jobs now because I was just like, I need something to keep myself occupied. Like I literally have like a retail job that I'll go to every like once or twice a month because they just wanted somebody to help out. And I'm, 
I kind of just go there and do whatever the hell I want because what are they going to do? Yell at me a month later when I come back. Uh, <laughs> but then I work for like two other companies that are like small businesses with people that I care about that I obviously put a lot more work into. But literally because of that idea of like just sitting around and doing fucking nothing and going crazy, I was like, I'm going to get a, a couple jobs and just work all day every day to when I can't. If I can't make money out on the road playing, I might as well make money some other way, you know, so... I'm just trying to work my ass off and it helps because now we're getting a house from it or along with my fiance's work, obviously. Good for you. Good, good yeah. for you. Uh, <laughs> you guys did just release a record, though. Yes. Uh, right in the decay, thick of quarantine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is where I'm going, of course. The Slow Decay came out back in July. Rise Records. Yep. Drop that. Um you guys did a really cool way of releasing it by dropping just these letters that led up to it. It was very obscure. I didn't understand it at first, but I enjoyed it. I don't think anybody <laughs> understood it at first. It was one of my favorite parts of the release. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, I, I love the record. Uh, talk Thank to me you. about a pandemic release. Talk to me about, you know, you guys were on tour. One of those bands, there was like a handful of bands that were on tour mm-hmm. when, when everything was shut down. You guys were out there with... Uh, fellow Vox and Hops alumni, Fuming Mouth. I love them. Yep, um, they're awesome. Talk to me about dropping a record during a pandemic. So uh, it sucks to do that, first off. <laughs> <laughs> like it, I mean, that's kind of me exaggerating a little bit. It definitely sucks because it's like, oh, cool, we have all this music out. And people loved that record, which I was super pumped on. Um, I think it was... It was either our highest charting or maybe our second highest charting, which even if it's the second highest charting, we're in a pandemic. So I'll take that and I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll consider that our best charting, you know, um, where like people aren't cons- like purchasing as much stuff because they're mm-hmm. saving money. Um, but it was it was like we didn't plan on putting it out during the pandemic. We had just so happened to like right before everything shut down like we had already put out the first two songs and i think like the day after we had to cancel our tour maybe the next two songs came out i forget exactly what the timeline was but we were kind of like already in the middle of releasing it excuse me um and so we kind of just had no other choice like there was this a little bit of a talk of like okay well we're gonna finish putting out the ep versions and maybe we'll sit on it but for us we i mean we're not a band that like our record sales are what pays us. We don't really care about sales numbers as much as it is fucking awesome. That slow decay was one of our best selling records ever. Like we were just pumped to hear that people liked it. So we were still just like, all right, whatever. Like let's just put it out. We we're excited for it. We love the record. We're pumped on it. Um, but it is definitely a bummer. Like when the whole thing comes out or especially since we released it a couple songs at a time, like when you see people freaking out over it, And then, you know, like, you don't know when you'll actually get to play it. We're just like, "Ah, this is a bummer. And uh, we were actually playing two of those songs on that tour, which was really cool because those were some of I've been in the band for like five years now, but kind of just the way that our record cycles have worked out. uh, It comes in waves and slow decay were the first two that I had done writing for. And I wrote a lot on both of those. And the first two songs that we released on uh, Slow Decay for the DEP, which was Seeing God and Feet a Pigeon, those were either I wrote all of Feet a Pigeon and then me and Griffin, our bass player, wrote all of Seeing God together. So like playing those songs, I was like, holy shit, this is like my actual creation that I'm playing now instead of just instead of just being in a band that had songs before me, you know, like it was I still remember being in Long Island, New York and the 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 night after feed a pigeon and uh seeing god came out playing those at a club in amityville or long island seeing people know all the words i was like what the fuck like this is already yeah it, it was insane so i like just on that alone i felt really good about it and i think we all knew that slow decay was like a little bit of magic there um and it it, it was so cool to see all the responses and see how pumped people were And I think when it came out still, we were under the like naive guys that we would still be on tour in a couple weeks after that, or that this whole scenario was going to kind of calm down pretty quickly, but that just did not happen. And I mean, clearly (laughs) still bands aren't playing and there is a part of me that is worried that it's going to get just 
thrown into this void of nothingness and it, we're going to miss out on the release. But I think there's another part that when we finally can come back and we play those songs, people are just going to be so happy to finally see them that it's going to be awesome. So that's where I'm keeping my hopes at. And I mean, I'm still pumped that we released it. Like the idea of sitting on it until now, I'd, I'd lose my mind over like, let's get this out, you know, but I, it was a bummer, but I'm glad that we put it out when we did for sure. Absolutely. And you know, it is a great record. Uh, having played with the Acacia strain many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, despised icons last tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard stories about that. <laughs> called it quits up here in the Quebec dates. Yeah. It was trapped under ice. I think I got that name right. Yeah. Uh, the Acacia Strain, Cryptopsy, and Despised Icon. What a tour. Uh, That's we did, awesome. We did a string of tours, a string of dates together up here, and it was it was wild. And, you know, Slow Decay has so many new colors to the record, to the sound of the band. And I was excited about that, really. Because being, being, you know, the, the Acacia Strain is like a, an evolution of the Acacia Strain, this record, and the, the, the EP that came up before. Um, that's awesome i'm glad you i'm glad you think that because being that you've toured with the band years ago you kind of know the dynamic then and the sound then and i definitely think with slow decay i know that i personally tried to kind of like harken back a little bit to the earlier days but have it be like a a refreshed version and uh it seems like people are seeing that and realizing what the point of that record was so i'm I'm glad that that hits with you as well <laughs> um you did do a really cool quarantine video that was fun yeah <laughs> I, I watched it right before we jumped into this with uh from spirit box i should have written her name down i apologize uh courtney yeah courtney from courtney spirit from box. spirit box yes yeah she rules uh her guest spot on the record turned that song into one of my favorites but yeah the uh the video was just something that Vincent did. He kind of like we got the okay from Rise and Vincent, I guess, used to do some video editing for some stuff. I never knew that. And then he like messaged our group chat was like, hey, I spoke to Rise. Like I'm kind of trying to get back into the video editing thing and let's just make like a funny video. Like most of our music videos are stupid shit anyway, because I, I'm probably the only one in the band who thinks music videos are cool and everybody else is like, <laughs> these are dumb. Let's just do something stupid. But uh, the quar- I think the way that we kind of did it where it was like a very unserious version of a playthrough kind of thing made it fun for me. Like at one point I had both of my dogs and I was pretending to play them and our other guitar player, Devin, was on the toilet playing guitar. And <laughs> yeah, that, that was, it was fun. Uh, I wish I had kind of done a little more, but I was just super busy. And I was just like, like they were waiting on me to send my video parts for a really long time. <laughs> and Vincent was like, I need your fucking shit. Rise is like now breathing down my neck about this. So, yeah, but uh, it was a fun video. And Vincent did a great job, like putting it together. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Courtney's uh, Courtney's like dress up with like a, a mustache and a beanie on just kind of being one of the weird guys was really really funny <laughs> yeah. and it was good it was refreshing too because uh it came out late in the year when when you know there'd already been a bunch of quarantine stuff that had been done and to take it like in that direction to make it fresh yeah what was the right was the right decision for sure yeah that's like i i didn't want to do it at first because i was like i've seen so many bands do this like i don't want to just be another band doing that but i trust vincent because he's one of the funniest people i know and when he said it's going to be a funny goofy thing i was like okay we're good like as long as you're in control of that you know what's funny go for it (laughs) i love that i love that hey what's up fox and hops heads i just want to take a little moment about cryptopsy's upcoming tours that's right i'm talking about the scream of perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called as summer burns the scream of perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of may and runs all the way until the end of june we are supporting the mighty death to all we are going all over the united states and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. 
Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about an acacia strain brew, which was brewed by Eighth State Brewing. Yes, uh, that is it. It's amazing and delicious. They sent me and Griffin two of them because we're the only ones in the band that drink. Um, But we didn't know about it until after it was released. (laughs) So how did this happen then? So uh, it's called It Comes in Waves, which is the name of our like concept record that we put out last year or I guess a year and a half ago now. And um, they just tagged us on Instagram and I guess tagged all of the members and I saw it and I've been really wanting to do like a me and Griffin are Griffin. Our bass player is also really into craft beer and me and him like kind of our thing on tour is like we load in, we sound check, do whatever. And then we just go hit up a brewery. Um, and it's always fun. And we have a couple friends that always bring us beer. Uh, shout out Nick Spinelli from Connecticut and Grant from Des Moines. He, they both always bring us beer, but yeah, we've been wanting to do it for a long time and we just couldn't get anybody on board. I think I've tweeted at Burial like 500 times trying to get an Acacia Strain <laughs> beer made by them. Um, but we saw it and I like, I screenshot it and sent it to Griffin. I was like, I wish they would have hit us up. Not because I'm mad that they used like our name without permission. I don't give a shit about that. But I was like, I want to be part of this because I, I really want to do this. But like, let me let me read you the label of what it is. It's an imperial stout with cocoa nibs, cocoa husks, cinnamon, Madagascar vanilla, Tahitian vanilla, milk sugar, de, I don't even know how to say this word, demarara, and churros. And it's, are, it's a beastie-ass pastry stout right there. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's 12.8%, so it's pretty heavy yeah, on you. Is. But, dude, it is it's the exact beer I would have wanted to create. So I was like, fuck, like, They're do watching we, you. yeah, I was like, do we even have a, like I messaged them and I was like, Hey, your, like, your, your band's, your band's name is on it. Or is it just the album's the name? The band, the band's name the, is not on it. If you could see the, okay. it's just the name, it comes in waves here. And then I don't okay. know what this logo is. I guess they probably just put something on there cause they didn't want to get in trouble by us. Um, <laughs> like they did it, like they did a beer for us in the most like, legal way they could without getting in trouble <laughs> um but i messaged them i was like I, yeah i messaged them on instagram i was like hey i don't know who to talk to but i play in this band and i l- would love to try this because we wanted to make a beer for a long time and uh they sent me and griffin some and they were like yeah like the next time you guys like they're from south carolina which is kind of cool because i'm from north carolina so i in theory could have gone down to them to get it but the whole covid thing obviously but they were like, yeah, next time you guys can come through here on tour, like, let's kind of get together and design a beer. And I was just like, you did it already. <laughs> like, is there even a, a point to it? So, Yes, of course there is. You can do yeah. a new version. Well, yeah, that, I'm there heading. you go. <laughs> what, what would be your beer? If you could go in there and make the perfect Acacia Strain beer, what would that beer be? You'd have to organize with Griffin to figure out exactly what this beer is going to be. What, what would that beer be? So I think Griffin is probably the easiest person to work with on this because he will literally drink any beer that you put in front of him, uh, whether it's really, really good or really bad, no matter what time of day it is. So he's just like, yeah, let's just do it. I like beer. Um, For me personally, I'd want to either do a double or maybe even a triple IPA. That's I, I don't know a ton about the brew process. Like, I don't know what exactly I'd want in it, but I love double and triple IPAs that have this like one, like a super forward citrus stuff, like, like lots of pineapple and maybe like Mandarin orange. And then some way to kind of have like a nice malty finish. Like I love just like the smooth richness of like a, a very malty beer. And I think that's like why I love double and triple IPAs because they, they have that like, hoppiness at the beginning but they end out kind of kind of smooth you know does that make any sense i don't know sometimes i feel like sometimes i feel like i don't know anything about beer when i try to explain what i like (laughs) but that's what i like (laughs) and you like the juice the juicy beginning but with a a somewhat bitter bite yeah a little bit not nothing like crazy challenging but something good and i i would like for it to be if it's like a double or a triple, it'd obviously be up there in ABV. But if it's like a, a regular old IPA, 
let's let's go with a good like 7.5 that's where i like to live that's still a punch in the face that's yeah (laughs) punch in the face but like you could have one and a half before you start feeling it you know (laughs) (laughs) and what would you call that beer i don't know that's the problem and i think that's why i've never tried to tried to actually approach a brewery there we have a song called bitter pill and somebody was like you should make a pilsner and call it bitter pilsner bitter pills bitter pills that'd be amazing yeah but i i don't like pilsners are cool but i don't i don't love them you know i'm not a passionate pilsner guy um i'd probably i don't know i'd probably call it like the lucid dream ipa because we have that song the lucid dream on uh slow decay and i wrote that one and that's my favorite song i wrote for the record so i'd probably go with that lucid cream yo IPA. there it is <laughs> holy shit yeah, i'm i hope i have your permission to steal that when i do finally get in touch with a brewery to make that make it make it you, there's a brewery that's going to listen to this and they're going to hit you up so so double dry hopped oat cream ipa yeah yes L- or like a let, let's make it a milkshake ipa get that lactose in go, on exactly. the end there you go yeah the lucid cream fuck oh my god okay thank you i'm so happy right now like i'm genuinely freaking out right now <laughs> this is what i do i love it <laughs> yo you're you're a mastermind right now <laughs> um let's wrap this up with two questions what, what has been the best part of covid for you okay i'm gonna get deep and woohoo-y on you for a second uh so i am super into like mindfulness stuff and I do a lot of like mindfulness reading and a lot of like meditation and I like to be very open about mental health stuff and because one we all deal with it in some way to the the lockdown or quarantine whatever has I think brought a lot out in a lot of people uh the best thing about quarantine or covid was it showed me that I am more than just a guitar player like i had to really Mm. learn who i was without playing shows because i was either i've been like i've i I first started touring playing bass for structures in like 2013 or something uh and then i was like an unofficial canadian member of fit for an autopsy because their bass player couldn't get into canada so whenever they played there i would just (laughs) play those shows and come back uh and i worked for will putney for a number of years so like the only thing I've known since I was eight is music. And this like COVID was like, uh, just kidding. Music's gone. Like it kind of doesn't mm-hmm. exist right now. So I really had to learn how to like myself without a guitar. And I mean, obviously I have ups and downs with that as does anybody who's got like anxiety or depression, but 2020 really was that for me. Like I finally felt like I was a human and not just a guitar player who likes to headbang and hit open strings you know like that was (laughs) it's like i try to make a joke of it but it was very eye-opening and very important to me so that without getting like too deep that was like the most significant thing about 2020 and the pandemic for me that's incredible and uh you know we all get something from this but we have to have the the openness to look Mm -hmm. for it it's like the the worst way to learn a really good lesson. <laughs> That's what I've been describing it as. <laughs> <laughs> and one final question is if you drink too many of these delicious craft beers that we both mm-hmm. love so much, sometimes you end up with a hangover. So, so mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what is your hangover cure? So I, I was actually listening to your, uh, your, I, f- I forget his name, but I was listening to your episode with, uh, I think one of the guitar players of Tesseract and yes yes. yeah and i heard you ask him that and i was like huh i wonder if he's gonna ask me that fuck i (laughs) i've been pretty lucky that i have never really had a hangover and i think it's because i started drinking later on in my like started to enjoy alcohol more as like like i was 25 i think when i broke edge and i'm or no 24 25 i'm 28 now so like i don't think i had that like I need to guzzle alcohol kind of thing. I mean, I know I, no shame on people who do like to like party because there's of course times where I'm like, fuck yeah, let's like have a good time. I'm going to end up drinking a little too much. I get so in my head about being out of control. And I think it's because of one, my dad's history and two, like going so long without it that I got, I saw so many of my friends fucked up that I was like, 
oh, I don't want to be like that. I got to make sure I'm not doing what they're doing. I usually rein it back pretty well, but on the small occasion where I wake up with like a little fuzzy of a headache, uh, any kind of like super greasy breakfast. And also, uh, I drink coffee like a motherfucker. So the first thing I'm doing is just chugging coffee. Coffee is coffee is the greatest thing on this planet. It makes you feel good. It makes you do things fast. Coffee always helps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love coffee too. I'm yeah. all about coffee. Yeah. Tom, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me, talking about your life, music and craft beer. Uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, I know that when we hang out together, we're going to have a good time yeah. and you might need some coffee the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. You, I will, I will make sure I need coffee the next day after we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tom. I just wanted to say cheers to you and I'm looking forward to that day. Yes, buddy. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a blast with Tom. Just truly an awesome, awesome dude. We definitely hit it off. I can't wait till either the Acacia Strain comes through Montreal or if I come through his area with Cryptopsy or if we jump on a tour together, that would be sick. Uh, just to hang out with him some more. Excellent, excellent chat. Excellent human, super stoked that I had the chance to connect with him. If you enjoyed this Fox and Hops Metal podcast episode, you should follow it on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, you should also take the time to rate it and write a review because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. And that would be something that I would truly appreciate. You should also take the time to sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. Do it. Trust me, people. This is a party you don't want to miss. There's so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast right now, and I don't want you to miss a single thing. So sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal podcast mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. <laughs>